This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, Shohei goes big, but John Rahm goes bigger. Did the NBA overcorrect with Draymond Green? Shot clock issues and another sacking in the NBL. And Davey Warner goes bang. It's been nearly two weeks. We had a lot of fun as always. Let's go. It's 8.14 on Thursday, the 14th of December, 2023. Congratulations to the Adelaide Strikers of the BBL for their second consecutive title, while Mitch Johnson's broken the unwritten player code on the eve of the Aussie Test Summer. Libby Triggett warns parents to shut up or even not turn up to their kids' sporting events. Further abroad, the NRL at the NFL falls flat in Vegas. The Matildas had a couple of disappointing losses. I'm sure there's a joke in there about statues somewhere. Probably. Shohei got his payday. Eddie Jones is the new coach of Japan Rugby Union after all, funnily enough. The honeymoon is over for Ange Postacoglu at Tottenham and the Kansas City Chiefs might want to redirect the object of their beef after a loss to the Bills. These are just some of the things we'll cover today and for others, that's as far as we'll go. As always, please check our timestamps. An extra special thank you to those who like and subscribe too. I'll throw you the new ball, Stewie. How are you, mate? What have you got for us at the top this week? Fucking terrible, mate. I've had one of, <laughs> yeah, one, I already knew that. I've had <laughs> one of the worst days on record. No, I mean, it's. I, I've had a pretty rough day. There's no two ways about it. Work was shocking. Even the drive here, I had to do a massive detour. I probably got done for speeding as well, which I didn't tell you about. Oh, no. It's just one of those days where once it's done, you hit the delete button. It's all good. Yes. Well, it's not done yet. Hopefully, we'll have a bit of fun with our little recording today. It's the first time we've been in person together for a little while, too. So, yeah, good, to, is, good yeah. to have you next to me in the uh, co-pilot seat. In the big chairs. Yeah, indeed. Nah, that's it. Well, look, we'll obviously have to start with probably one of the biggest bits of news in sporting history. Oh? Shohei's contract. Yeah, oh, yeah it's huge. You, you've mentioned it. Yeah. The Shohei Otani contract, 10-year, $700 million deal with the LA Dodgers. The interesting part, though, is the fact that he's deferring $680 million of it until after he retires. Yes. So $2 million a year between now and 2033, $68 million a year between 2034 and 2043. Now, I read a little bit about this. According to MLB calculations, about $46 million a year will go against the Dodgers' payroll. So they aren't just getting the $2 million. They're going to have to still sort of cop a decent amount, but it's not the full 70. There's no salary cap anyway, so... Which, obviously, that's the yeah. that's the thing. But under the current CBA, there is, there's no limit to how much and the length of time that a player is paid. So it all just comes down to what the owner and the player can agree to and whether the owner actually wants to pay somebody who isn't actually playing anymore. And when you consider, obviously, the fact that he's making a squillion in endorsements, $45 million a year, I think it is at the oh, moment. It's even more than that, yeah. Yeah. Closer to 50, yeah. So, yeah, like, he's obviously going to be okay. Oh, you'll be fine. Surviving on $2 million. <laughs> But my question to you, Nath, is what are your thoughts on them doing this? Oh, I think it's fine. I think if it's within the rules, and, and a lot of people are talking about all the money he'll lose on the compound interest. But, I mean, the money is so obscene that, like, if you can't live off that money, then there's <laughs> something wrong with you. And obviously he'd like to win. And and I think it's great on his part. I'd do the same thing if I were him, if I'm bringing in a nice little income. And obviously if they're deferring the payment, they have more money to work with to bring in other players to hopefully win some World Series. So, yeah, bring on the penance. I think it's incredibly canny because it's legal, but I don't agree with them doing it. I think, like, I don't agree with it being legal. Is yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, in a salary capless league, it doesn't really make that much of a, of a difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, had it been a salary cap league, then sure, I, I think that's a bit dodgy. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's just open wallet season anyway in the, in the MLB. So and This is the thing. This is the problem that I have with no salary cap, like, 
it's one of these cases where, and we see it a lot in EPL. the EPL, exactly. A lot of the soccer leagues where there's no salary cap at all, the richer teams are going to be disproportionately successful. The Rangers won it last year. They had the fourth highest payroll. From what I've seen going backwards, it's mostly sort of top 10 payrolls in the league that are kind of winning it. Oh, I would imagine kind of 95% of the time, it's one of the top five payrolls. Yeah, it was actually... not higher. Yeah, it was surprising to see, oh, the 10th best. Oh. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, And you have your Leicester City and these sort of situations every now and then, but they're few and far between and they're the exception rather than the rule. Exactly. So it's just one of these things where... Unfortunately, the rich will get richer, so to speak, where they can, as you say, surround Shohei with whatever talent they want. I mean, they're already spending squillions of dollars and it's not like they're struggling for money. They are doing quite well. But I just, I don't know. I look at this and I think, how are some of these smaller teams and the smaller markets supposed to attract players for starters? and then also be successful. It's just not feasible. The funniest thing I think is like the obnoxious fans, you know, like obnoxious Yankee fans giving shit to, I don't know, Milwaukee Brewers fans or some shit. And it's like, yeah, guys, it's just an accident of birth. You were born in the right city that has a really expensive, rich team. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I Look, I don't love the deferring side of things. I just, as you say, I mean, what's the point anyway? But nothing's ever fair, but at least with a salary cap, there's some level of kind of an attempt at fairness, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you won't see the bottom paid team be making a third of what the top team is. It's always going to be within a, a smaller percentage anyway. So I, I'm not a big fan of that. No, no, fair enough. Now, speaking of obscene amounts of money, John Rahm, holy shit. Oh, was he signed up to the live or something? World number three, John Rahm has finally signed to live. Ah. Now he said earlier in the year, he wasn't interested in a $600 million offer because it, quote, wouldn't change his lifestyle one bit. Apparently 900 million will, though. <laughs> well. <laughs> he, he says it's not about the money, but about, quote, the chance to be a pioneer and revolutionise the sport. I'm not entirely sure I buy that, if I'm honest. But, I mean, having said that, can you blame a guy for accepting that sort of money? Jeez, it's hard to turn that down, isn't it? Yeah. Like, obviously, you play to win majors, and he has been kind of reprimanded by the PGA already. They've kind of banned him from a few bits and pieces. But, geez, if you have the chance to make that sort of money, and look, he is 29, he's got a wife and two kids. This is the sort of money, and he's won. 50- oh, it's multi generate. You set up five generations yeah. with that wealth. Like, he's won 57 million in his career already. So he's doing yeah. really well. But yeah, yeah, there's not many players who can say, I am legitimately a billionaire, probably a handful of guys. And he's one of these guys before 30 who can basically say, like, I'm now, really, I'm going to make squillions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's tax and everything, but yeah, yeah, crikey. But the other thing as well is that it potentially means he can retire at a younger age or play less tournaments because he's yeah. got all of that yeah, money. Yeah, he can pick and choose, yeah, yeah. You know, aside from the fact that they're three-day tournaments instead of four as well, so he's getting yes, less holes. another yeah, yeah. day back as well. Yeah. So, yeah, geez, one of those things, a lot of people are not particularly happy with him about it, understandably. Um, but from what I've heard, Greg Norman's phone has been blowing up with people going, well, maybe I want to join them nah. as well. Well, maybe it was Kenny on his part. He's Maybe he this was his plan all along. He just wanted them to raise the price. Yep. So Maybe he's getting a finder's fee. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everyone who signs up, he gets a commission on that as well. It's, uh, Jesus, absolutely absurd money though, isn't it? Oh, it's it's obscene. It is. It's obscene. Second new ball, Nath, you're coming in from the Inverarity stand-in. Yeah, so I thought I'd focus on the NFL this week, and there's been a lot of crazy finishes and and a bit going on here and there. There's been a lot of injuries this season. I'll be honest, I've, I've probably watched it the least this season the whole time we've done the podcast, but I've still been following it, and I'll be ramping up my viewing as we kind of head towards that Super Bowl. We better start thinking about booking our leave-in for the Super Bowl, hadn't we? 
Yes. Anyway, uh, so I don't know if you saw the crazy finish to the Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. I did. Yeah, Buffalo won 20 to 17. Kadarius Tony lined up, well, was basically a- in the other end zone. <laughs> like, high. It looked, he, he was definitely offside. It was probably what? I don't know, eight, nine inches. Oh, it was ridiculous. It, it was pretty egregious. It was noticeable. So basically what happened was the Chiefs were down. They seemingly went ahead on a miraculous play where Travis Kelsey caught maybe a 40, 50-yard bomb, then lateraled it backwards, and then they ran it in for a touchdown. I can't remember who he lateraled it to. Oh, I think it was Tony, funnily enough, the guy that was lined up, lined up from. I think it was him. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, Holy shit. So a lot of sour grapes from the... Look, as far as I'm concerned, the right call was made and, yeah. and bad luck. But... A lot of sour grapes from the from the Chiefs. So I've got some quotes here. First of all, head coach Andy Reid. Usually I get a warning before something like that happens. It's a bit embarrassing in the National Football League for that to take place. I've been in the league a long time, haven't had one like that. On the flip side, NFL Senior Vice President of Officiating, Walt Anderson. A press conference I've kind of shortened into a few quotes here. Now, I've just realized that I've missed a word here, so I'm going to make one up. I'm going to misquote him. I'm going to do an ESPN deepfake here. Oh, Uh, It's one of those things we don't, I assume it's either the word like or want. It's one of those things we don't want to be overly technical on. But when in his alignment, he's lined up over the ball, that's something we're going to call as an offensive offside. Certainly no warning is required, especially if they are lined up so far offsides where they're actually blocking our view of the ball. Definitely that happened. So we would give them some sort of warning if it was anywhere close, but this one was beyond a warning. So Patrick Mahomes was pissed. In the handshake with Josh Allen after the game, he was bitching about the refs. I don't know why he thought Josh Allen would be a sympathetic here. Yeah. This is the guy who, in one of the great recent playoff games of all time, probably too, but definitely in the last 10 years, the stupid overtime rule, he didn't even get a right of reply a few years ago. Yep. So Josh Allen's not going to have a lot of sympathy about a fucking regular season game. And not that he should because the guy broke the rules. Well, exactly. It's and it was egregious. Like I said, like, okay, I was joking, but he was way over the yeah. line. If we're talking a couple of inches, maybe you'd be like, oh, does that make a difference? But I mean, he was basically a full body width yeah. further forward than he should have been. So no, there's nothing to be annoyed about. It was a fantastic play, and I'm actually, it was, yeah. I'm actually surprised more teams don't use laterals because they tend to work quite a bit. Yeah, it's the risk reward though. The fumble, the 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 chance of a fumble, the risk reward. Yeah, but hey, maybe that maybe they are. I mean, play, coaches are known to be too conservative yeah, in the NFL. A play like that where Kelsey had so much room, he had a good few yards between him and the defender, and the receiver had what, 10, 15 yards between him and the next guy. So, I mean, why not try it? It was an easy touchdown in the end had it not been an offside. You're right. Teams probably should do it more often. I I wonder if some of it comes down to stats too. Guys want to keep their stats and they want to get the yards. But a couple of quotes here from Twitter. So, Michael Lefebvre, pretty wild to hear the Chiefs speak out tonight. They are literally saying, usually when we do break the rules, we get a warning. We should have been allowed to break the rules again, especially because we scored a TD on the play. Do they hear themselves? And then another one, Broncos are back. If that had gone against Buffalo, neither one of them would have said a word. Reed and Mahomes have a second ring because of the refs, and now they are acting like victims. And they're talking about that dodgy call against Philadelphia. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's I, I have no sympathy for them at all. Nah. And they've had it good for a long time. And, and, hey, a bit of adversity for the Chiefs is not a bad thing. Absolutely. The other crazy game was the Titans and the Dolphins. So the Titans 28 defeated the Dolphins 27. But Miami had a 99.7% chance of winning with less than four minutes left, according to ESPN win probability index. 
On the flip side, according to Quirky Research, Tennessee became the first team to ever be down 14 points with less than two minutes 55 left and end up winning without having to force OT. Mm. So that's pretty impressive on their part. It's crazy. Like half the league is 500. Basically, they're either six and seven or seven and six. Things are so tight that the Eagles dropped from the number one seed to the fifth seed with one loss to Dallas recently in the NFC. So things are really tight. At the kind of bottom end of, of the table, the Steelers have lost to two, two and 10 teams in back-to-back weeks. In fact, it was in less than a week, uh, less than a seven-day period against the Cardinals and Patriots. The Patriots! Which, yeah. Yes, we like the Patriots winning because we don't want them getting too high a draft pick and getting a good quarterback. But we also like them being shit. We do like them being regardless, shit. I'd rather mediocre. Regardless of Tom Brady not actually being part yeah, of Yeah, no, no, they can be mediocre. We don't want them getting too good a quarterback there in the draft. So, yeah, they've the Steelers have now fallen out of the playoffs based on tie breaks. So, yes, interesting times in the NFL. I managed to scrape into my fantasy playoffs with a, I think, 155-pointer, which is pretty decent. Uh, geez, I'm this close to being over fantasy, though. I know you feel oh, the same no, way. I'm done with it, <laughs> honestly. I'm, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it now. Do it. I have made one trade all friggin' season in Supercoach. One, one trade. I finally got sick of Shea Ely being shit. And I was like, right, I'm going to find a way to get Will McDowell-White into my team. I finally do that. And the fucker gets injured within like seven minutes of it happening. <laughs> so I, yeah, um, this is a one and done for me. Yeah. I just don't have the time for yeah, it. Yeah, I really I'm very close to pulling the pin. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, at least you'll beat me this week. This will be the week I'll fucking win you watch. I'll get all my blokes will get injured. Yeah. yeah. No, we actually have a lot of the same players. Oh, so. that's all right. That's all right. So I guess the obvious place to start with the NBA, Shui, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Jesus, there is. A lot of off-court stuff too, or, or semi-off-court and, and Draymond. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the tournament first, though. Yeah, we'll start with the good stuff. The semis and the finals. I did, I must admit, I didn't watch the Lakers and Pellies in the end when I saw the score. I so, didn't watch the other one. Oh, there you go. So yeah. no, the, the, the Bucks and Pacers was a great game. Yeah. A lot of feistiness. A lot of very chippy, didn't feel like a playoff game. And then the final was oh, great. That's too. why Giannis went for 64 on him today. Oh, as as redemption. It was revenge. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, oh, they're chippy. Didn't they it, do not like each other. Didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that in a Yeah, yeah, no, time. yeah. Giannis had a big one, yeah. He did. So, yes, yeah, so I watched the Western Conference. You watched the East, which works out really well. I would definitely say the Lakers played that game against the Pelicans with a really, really great pace to the point where a couple of Pelicans were kind of found out. Zion Williamson's the one that everyone's been talking about. He is looking more rotund than usual, let's just say. And this was my worry all along. You can go back to our early podcast and I was pumping the brakes on there because everyone was getting excited about him being a top five player of all time and people were getting very out of control. And look, seeing the way he played, I'm not talking about you. No, no, I was going to say, I don't don't think I ever went quite that far. No, 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 no. But you did get excited, but you often do. I thought he had the potential to be a Hall of Fame player. I mean... Oh, and he still does. Yeah. But Um, geez. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 So there were a lot of points in that game where he just looked like he couldn't keep up with the pace. LeBron in year 21 was going past him. He just, yeah, was out of breath half the time. And he, he never looks that in shape, but he looks even more so out of shape. I don't know whether it's the Vegas stuff, whether he's been, <laughs> you know, in the in the strip clubs getting 
Well, actually, it's not really where you get the lemon pepper blue wings. That, but uh, well, you, drinking booze can make you pile on the true. on the weight. So. Yeah, tell me about. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I know a thing or two about. Yeah, that. we're in Christmas season. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is just one of those things. You could see how much it meant to LeBron, and I mentioned this in one of our chats. There are nine guys on the Lakers roster making less than four million this season. So five hundred thousand, obviously, to LeBron, it's still decent money. But to all of these other guys, you know, he wanted it for the the Max Christies and the Jackson Hayes. And by the way, Max Christie, from certain angles, has a bit of Kobe about him. Does he? It's his nose and eyes, some of his facial features. Oh, I need to have a look at that. Yeah, yeah. So, he could be Kobe's younger brother. Interesting. I'll yeah. have to have a look at that. Okay. Oh, I noticed last night when I was watching something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 And I, I've, I've never really looked at him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing I, I really liked about certainly how the way LeBron played. 12 field goal attempts, eight assists. That's a really good ratio for the sort of player that he is and the sort of up and down sort of fashion, I guess, that the Lakers want to play. Obviously, it says that he was getting other guys involved. Anthony Davis showed when he's healthy, again, how dominant he can be. Before we get too far with the good, can I go back to Zion quickly? Sorry to cut you off. I was going to go back to the bad after the good. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, we'll come back. No, no, I'll I'll let you finish your thought. So Jonas Valanciunas, no impact on the game at all. I think he finished with nine points, which is not really what you want for your opposition centre. The Lakers finished plus 17 in the rebound count, which obviously is huge. Mm, dominant. When they do that and shoot 48% from deep, they are basically unstoppable. So Any team would be, just about. Absolutely. Yeah. The flip side, obviously, the Pelicans were a little bit dear in the headlights. We kind of saw maybe what they have to look forward to in the playoffs. So this is something that you hope the Pelicans can learn from. You obviously had a couple of things you wanted to mention. Oh, just Zion mainly. Are we convinced that he even loves the game? Like he kind of he kind of lives off natural ability. Yeah. If he had the dedication of Kevin Garnett, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just wonder if he's if he's just one of those blokes that kind of got thrust into it. I mean, who was it? Was it Bogut or a few guys over the years, Paul Shirley, a few guys over the years have said, you would be amazed at how many guys don't actually love the game and they're just in it because they're athletic or because they started at a young age or whatever it might be. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just wonder sometimes. No, that's fair enough. The thing is though, like if someone said to you, you have to do a job that you're not going to like for the next 10 years, but you're going to make a hundred million dollars doing it. I'm pretty sure I could deal with that. Oh yeah. Well, and you can understand, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, look, it was a, an absolute blowout. It was a pretty boring game. I kind of enjoyed it, though, because, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of LeBron. I love what he's done for the league over all of these years. And seeing him still do it. Oh, it's incredible. Closing in on 39 yep. is just so, so, so impressive. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, as I said, the Pels will learn from it. You can't allow a team like the Lakers to go plus 40 across the two middle quarters. It's just inexcusable. Well, and win the rebound count by nearly 20. I mean, that's that's pretty I mean, I mean, that can happen when you have Anthony Davis because he is that good. But yeah, all of those factors, like there's no possible scenario where they win that game, quite frankly. To the East. To the East. Oh, look, I, I didn't write anything down. I watched it late at night. But as I said, you know, really entertaining, chippy. You had a playoff atmosphere. Yeah, just really good game. So I love the way Tyrese Halliburton controls the pace. Really super quick, but really jerky. And he's just, he's really good to watch. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of a comp, but I can't, I don't know, maybe Jason Kidd. I wouldn't say Steve Nash. Just the way he kind of controls the pace. Like It's, it's hard to think of a comp, but... But there's not because... I mean, those guys never had all of the things that Halliburton has. He's got the height. He's got the shot. 
He's longer, yeah. He's got the playmaking. There's probably a combination of three or four different guys, if you actually looked at it, that would have to go together to make him. He's incredible. I'll tell you the one player I really, and I'm probably kind of, you know, pinching a little bit from the final here, but the player that I've really enjoyed watching is Benedict Matherin. I think he has, like, borderline superstar potential. I'm a big fan of Benny Matherin too because he plays defense as well. But listen to this first while we're on Tyrese Halliburton. So how's this for a Woj bomb? 28.6 points per game, 11.7 assists per game, 53% from the field, 47% from three in the entire month of November. Only Jordan in March 89, LeBron in February 2017 and 18 ever averaged 25 and 10 with a 50-40 shooting split in a month. And I'd love to know the volume on Jordan and LeBron's threes as well, because you know that Halliburton's shooting. Oh, it's a new, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, eight threes a game. It's a modern, yep, yep. That's so a really good point. It is very, very interesting. But yeah, I completely agree with you. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. And that's why I brought up the Pacers as a team when we were talking about it in the last episode, that they were a big surprise for me. I, I just, I knew that he was going to be a great player. I didn't realize all the support guys were all going to kind of find it at the same time. You know, Aaron Neesmith has been brilliant. You talked about defense with Mather and Neesmith probably even better defensively. You're getting all of these other guys just contributing, you know, 10, 15 points, whatever it happens to be. And well, let's jump, let's jump ahead to the final. Do it, yeah. How is that Miles Turner dunk as well? Like Miles Turner's been he's kind of he's had a decent year, I think. I haven't looked at the stats recently, but from anecdotally, it feels like he's had a decent year. Decent, but again. AD took him out of the game completely. True, AD was magnificent. Fouled him yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was... Although, it's got to be said, that fifth foul was absolute bullshit and the sixth foul was a bit dodgy too. So there's a bit of... There's, a, there's been a bit of whistleblower going on lately in the NBA. Look, it was It did not help. It, it wasn't one of these games where the Lakers had 40 free throws and the Pacers had 12. It was, I think, within four free throws in, for the whole game. So there were still Pacers getting to the line. Halliburton got there a, a little bit... Matherin had nine, I think. So there were there were still guys. Oh yeah, I'm not. Them. I'm not kind of. It's just some really ticky tack fouls oh, when he's the only guy who can defend AD. Yeah. I'm not even convinced one of them was a foul at all. So, but again, yeah, you know, I talked about how he took Valanciunas out of the game. Turner finished ten points, three of eleven from the field, seven rebounds, no blocks. So again, he's taking that key big man out of the game. And again, when you look at the numbers that he had, what was it? Forty-one points, twenty boards. I think four assists and five blocks, something like that. So uh, just an absolute, sorry, five assists and four blocks, I should say. He had 10 of 13 points within a 13-0 run the Lakers had. Because it's worth remembering, this was a three-point game with less than six minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was very entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I think it's really interesting that the Lakers played the Pellies and then then the Pacers because they're two teams that don't have a lot of playoff experience. They were kind of perfect fodder for the Lakers with all of their experience and all of their poise. And and that's basically, yeah, that, that blew the game open at the end. You're right. Well, it did. You know, you go from, yeah, down by three to down by 16 in the blink of an eye. Yep. And as I said, AD was getting everything inside. I mean, look at the points in the paint, 86 to 44. That is as big a smashing as you oh, can that's, imagine. that's domination, Holmes. Plus 23 in the rebounding count. So again, they dominate the rebounding count because Davis was vacuuming everything up. You know, they had Austin Reeves in the first half was dominant. I think he had 22 or 23 in the first half. A flu game for him too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like Austin Reeves. So, I don't like the flopping, but I do like Austin Reeves. Yeah. No, well, that's fair enough. But, you know, he was huge. 28 of the 30 bench points the Lakers had in that game. So 
obviously played a, a really, really important part to that. And they're getting guys coming back now, the Lakers. So Jared Vanderbilt's back. He's been out for quite a while. They're starting to see Cam Reddish playing some good ball. Yeah, Reddish, Reddish had some good games in the tournament. So, you know, so the Lakers are starting to kind of, you know, get that little bit of their mojo back. They had a... Oh, a subpar win over your Spurs today without LeBron. Sorry if you were going to watch that game. Apologies. Oh, no, no. I already, I already followed it and looked at it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I will watch. I'm going to watch them all. But yeah. 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 Oh, it looked like Wemby. I'm hoping to catch up over the Christmas break and then get up to speed. Yeah. yeah Wemby had a pretty good game. For yes. Us, yeah, so. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in our standing order. But obviously, you know, one of the things that a lot of people are talking about is, oh, Lakers had such a, a soft run. You know, they only had to play all these crap teams and stuff. And Phoenix was the only good team. Are Phoenix even good? Well, <laughs> they're borderline five hundred. They are. Yeah, I think they I are. Think they're so, going to be. Fine. I'm being facetious, but but, but it's interesting because I didn't realize how the scheduling was done, and I don't know if you've sort of seen how they picked the teams. So it was looking at the results from or the ladder from last year. Leah, like how the AFL does it with the yeah. yeah. So one, three, four through six, seven through nine, yep. etc. Yeah, and you take one team out of there, and it's kind of a random draw. The Lakers did get very fortunate. They had the weakest team in the one through three. They got Memphis when they could easily have had Denver or Sacramento. And of course, Memphis any other year might have been really good with Jar Morant playing, yeah. but he's not playing. So that was fortuitous for them. Exactly. Yeah. So that yeah. definitely helped. Then, you know, looking at probably the other big one was the 10 through 12. They missed out on Oklahoma City and Dallas and ended up getting Utah, the one team out of those three that's actually gone backwards. Yeah. So again, if either of those had gone a different way, we might've been talking about a Lakers team that didn't make it. So they did get a little bit fortunate, but as we always say, you can only play the teams in front of you. Well, that's right. That's right. So they, they handled their business. And again, we've said this last week, I'll say it again. I'm pleasantly surprised with the in-season tournament. I think adding that layer of interest to December games, which we haven't really seen before, or certainly not for a long time. It's great for the league. How often do you turn on... Well, you very rarely turn on the NBA in December. Uh, oh, yeah. not Yeah, I ramp up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say very rarely, but but I certainly watch less in December. I'll, look, I'll, I'll watch the same amount no matter what, really. It didn't... I mean, well, no, that's not true. I did go out of my way to watch one of the semis in the final. So, yeah, it's interesting. I've got some stuff on that, actually. Look, still, either way, I don't mind if it goes tomorrow, if it's again next year. I, I just hope they don't attach stuff like automatic playoff berths and every 82 game should be the same waiting. And if you start fucking with those 82, and, and look, okay, yes, granted the final isn't a part of the full 82. I don't know. That doesn't sit well with me. So so the way it's currently constituted, I'm fine with. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens going Jesus, forward. Jesus, they need to fix those courts. Oh, those red courts particularly. <laughs> I, I found that, that strip down the middle really distracting on every court. Yep. But any court with the red was just terrible, whether it be the red down the middle or the red everywhere else. Yeah, they do. They need to sort out those courts. But for the most part, I, I think... Certainly, Adam Silver would look at that and say it was a success. Pity that Anthony Davis's stats don't count. Yeah, true. They've still got to work out how the fuck they do these these stats in mm. in these games, playing games. Yeah, of, yeah. That. we've got this kind of black hole of kind of NBA official games. Stats but of their space yeah, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. What do you make of the Kobe quote that's been doing the rounds? This franchise does not hang division banners. It does not hang conference championships. We hang one banner and one banner only, and that's NBA titles. I mean, that's fair enough. I don't know, will the Lakers be hanging a banner for this one? Again, I think they will. But going back to the whole thing, 
this is big money for a lot of guys. I don't know what Darvin Ham's on. He wouldn't be on a small contract, but I can't imagine he'd be on 20 million a year. No, 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 no. So again, 500,000 to him. I don't know whether it goes to the assistant coaches either. I'm not sure either, to be honest. But if it did, you know, and I'd imagine Darvin Ham's the sort of guy who would probably give some of that to these guys because they're busting their asses just as much as he is. So I think for the Lakers, it was really more about making history, being the first team, getting that paycheck, and then I guess just building that camaraderie as a team and creating that winning sort of mentality, I guess, to push into the next part of the season. What do you make of the gaps? Because obviously the semis and the final were standalone with no other games. We've seen the NBA not playing any games on Sundays, often avoiding games on Fridays to, to not compete with the NFL. Eh, I mean, I don't There's love... been some gaps. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't love that. I don't, I don't love... I mean, look, it's one of those ones where it's tough when there's 12 games on a particular day. It's tough when there's one or two. Somewhere in the middle, five, six, seven... Yeah, I don't see why they couldn't. I, I, maybe on the day of the final, you don't schedule anything else. Yeah, I think they enough. could have scheduled games around the final, though, even the same day as the semi. I don't know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even just have Eastern Conference games so that they're played earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's ways. There, there are ways that they will tinker with it. Interestingly enough, so Ethan Strauss has basically said that it's it hasn't been a success and that it's just been a bit of a flop. So I wanted to kind of just read a couple of quotes I had from Sam Vecini because he was looking at it from the ratings point of view because obviously that's one of the great kind of identifiers of if, if this is a success or not. So he said... I'll take the bait as a sports media person who is qualified to talk about TV ratings and basketball. I worked at Nielsen for almost a year before writing full-time. I personally love the in-season tournament, but like Ethan says, I'm not the person the league is chasing. And I wonder, you and I are kind of, do you know what I mean? In this this boat. We're not either, obviously. Yeah. I don't think it's unreasonable to be a bit disappointed by the TV ratings. If you look at the equivalent TV window for games from last season to this season, Viewership was up 26% for the in-season tournament games compared to last year's regular season games. That's a win. I'd be surprised if the NBA didn't expect this to be a loss leader this year. It's essentially a proof of concept. Cross-platform, social impact, streaming data. It's possible that after assessing those metrics, you could come to the conclusion that the in-season tournament was a flop. But he ultimately thinks that the tournament will help push up the price at the next negotiations deal too. So there's a lot at play here and... And determining success is there's a lot of different metrics. Yeah. So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. That's it. And look, the league is looking at expansion. Vegas is one of the places that has been very high on the list. Oh, almost certainly. Vegas and Seattle. They should they should. They should bring in yeah. two teams. Vegas, Seattle, yeah. I think Mexico City was looked at. There's a couple of other ones. But yeah, Vegas, you'd have to think would be number one on that list. And you'd have to think those continental USA teams would be ahead of Mexico City, for example. Possibly. Yeah. But certainly the league has done a lot of playing games down there in the Oh yeah, yeah, sure. But that's very different to having a full eight. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And and you know, Canada versus Mexico. Anyway, yeah, yeah. No, but it's look, interesting. It, it is. So Stewie, Draymond's dramas. Dear, Almost dear, needs to be a new standing dear, item. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Hey? What, what an idiot. Seriously. Like, go on. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, God, where do we start? So, obviously, there was that play very recently where we thought that maybe five games was a bit lenient for his kind of chokehold of Rudy Gobert when they played the Timberwolves. Now, against the Suns, he's basically done kind of a bit of a Barry Hall, Andrew Gaff kind of turn around and punch. I've covered both our teams. No, I know. I've covered both our teams. I know. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't make quite the connection. Crikey, if he had, like, 
that would have finished Nurkic's season. Well, actually, facial injuries. But anyway, like, yeah. So, yeah, he's kind of, uh, what would you call it? It's almost like an open palm slap, kind of. But it's the intent. I, th- I think, yeah, it probably still was closer to a punch than a slap. But the thing that I've noticed with Draymond is if you look back at some of his indiscretions, so the stomp on Sabonis, the Stephen Adams kick to the nuts, that time he kicked James Harden in the face, this one, he flails around and tries to pretend like it's an accident. Yes. I'm just trying to get away from the contact. And yeah. My arm went that yeah, way. And his face is shit. It. Yeah. Absolutely. He always has been a thug and he always will be. So, And he um, doesn't take enough personal responsibility either. Yep. Yeah. So I don't honestly believe the apology that he made. Like, I appreciate maybe him apologizing to Nurkic. Fair enough. I can I can believe that. But when he says, I didn't mean to hit him, I don't buy that. Do you know how many games he's been suspended in his career so far? I can't imagine it's been that many. Exactly. Nine. I was going to say 10, yeah. Nine games, and one of them was a team suspension by Golden State. For the Jordan Paul punch, I yeah, assume. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Oh, actually, it might have been a Durant incident. I think it was a Durant incident okay. earlier. Like, isn't that like considering how dirty he is? And oh, look, I do defend him because he's a very good player. But I tell you what, well, I've got two things I want to talk about. So, firstly, we just mentioned obviously, yeah, the five game suspension for basically choking Rudy Gobert out. It's when Rudy did nothing wrong, absolutely. Yeah, he, you know, absolutely went over the line. And we said, yeah, at the time, it seemed a little bit lenient and probably should have been closer to 10 to then go from that to suspended indefinitely i know i don't love indefinite suspensions that kind of seems extreme i agree and you know that i mean that because i don't often go into battle no you hate draymond for draymond yeah 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 no i agree i agree i don't love the suspension either yeah like i understand the league maybe wants him there's some stuff that they've got in the background where it's probably anger management classes and all that sort of bullshit but there's just Maybe well, it's, it's not, not bullshit. It's not bullshit. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it and, could be effective. And all of those importantly apt, <laughs> uh, credible things. Yeah, no. I, at the end of the day, he does need to sort this out because, I mean, the second time he's been suspended in the space of a month, yep. it's already kind of an uphill battle for the Warriors. I thought they'd be a lot better this season, but a lot of stuff isn't working out. It seems like the Chris Paul thing's kind of thrown a lot of stuff out with their offense. Wiggins isn't playing well. Thompson's been absolutely ass. So it's very, very hard for them already. And when you've now got something like this, where when you've got a less margin for error, yeah, you've got none. And and basically now Draymond will be lucky if he doesn't miss the next 10 to 15 games. So straight away, he's basically taking a Warriors team that had a very, very small window left on that championship sort of, you know, bubble. And, that it's kind of slammed it shut. couple of things here. I wish I could remember who it was. Someone said that when Steph Curry wasn't playing, we might have even talked no, about this yeah, the last time yeah. we recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So seven of the 11 objections yeah. was when Steph wasn't playing. Yeah. It's nuts, yeah. And then the other thing is apparently he targets international players. Yeah. So someone, I can't remember who it was. It was behind a paywall. But well, someone's gone back and looked at every well, yeah, instance. So, yeah, Sabonis, Stephen Adams. Swaggy and, P was calling him out. He yeah. was like, he he loves going for the Europeans. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Adams, New Zealand. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but foreign. Close, well, close enough. But <laughs> now, I did also want to double down on something that I've mentioned in the past, Nate. That's not like you. Yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> Let's go back to the 2012 draft for a second. So... Most people will know that Draymond Green was a second-round draft pick, 35th pick to the Warriors. Yeah, Michigan State. 
if you look at four picks earlier, the 31st pick was the Charlotte Bobcats. They took Jeremy Taylor. Imagine if they'd taken Draymond Green instead. Just imagine that for a second. Okay. Instead of him forming a partnership with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, the greatest shooting duo of all time, regardless of Clay's struggles, he works with a shooting guard core of Matt Carroll, disgruntled Ben Gordon, Gerald Henderson, Ramon Sessions, and like second year Kemba Walker. Instead of Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr as coaches who gave him the freedom to kind of be himself and express himself, he gets Mike Dunlap and Steve Clifford. Do you honestly believe that version of Draymond Green is a four-time All-Star and a champion? Who knows? But this is the this is the one of the really interesting things, isn't it? Yep. About chance and luck and being in the right place at the right time and all sorts. Exactly. And yeah. that and yeah, this is a team that probably was winning 21 to 35 games a season for the next six years. He, oh, they've been trash. He probably would have ended up as a solid defender and a role player instead of being Possibly. a guy who Possibly. You, know, you could make an argument for him as a Hall of Famer. Oh, strong, like, a strong argument. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. So, you know, I, and I, I, as I said, I double down on this. I honestly believe this is one of the few situations where Draymond Green, being a thug, but playing the way that he plays, turns him into that Hall of Famer. If he plays for probably 24 of the 30 teams, he's just a role player. He's probably- Yeah, who knows, though? As a second-round pick, you'd have a short contract, he's- and then he can sign wherever the fuck you want, though. True. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you love hypotheticals. I, I'd love them. Yeah. yeah I just yeah. I, honestly, I'm a firm believer that he is now. It, it's at the stage, and I hate saying it, saying the phrase, but he's a cancer to that team right now. Mm. He really. Is he, not, he's he's not, he's not helping them. He's really no, not. So no. yeah, look, it's at the stage now where the Warriors might actually struggle to make the plan. And you don't want to waste good stuff years because there's less of them than there was five, when he started. Thirty five now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about something good. Dante Exum? Dante Exum. 20, yeah, 23, 6, and 7 in a 125, 112 win over Portland. His most since he had 28 with the Cavs in 2020. There you go. Had an incredible game in their last game. Yeah, he's had a good against, couple of weeks. Well, yeah. Against the Lakers. I think he had seven threes. Uh 20, Yeah, he's been shooting at a good yeah, clip. Yeah. 23. This is one of these things though, where anyone who knows what he is capable of shouldn't actually be that shocked at how he's playing. I mean, you play on a team with Luka Doncic who draws so much attention. You see it all the time, him getting into the lane, he's double, triple teamed. If Dante keeps shooting 40% from three like he is now, and he's probably shooting a higher percentage on those short corner threes as well, which he's getting a lot of, he's going to keep getting big minutes and put up career numbers, quite yep, frankly. it's great to see. Like, the pace is one of these things. and I, I kind of go back to that seven seconds or less Suns team with Steve Nash. He's kind of almost playing a Rajah Bell role. Okay, yeah, yeah. The defense and the spot-up threes and yeah, yeah. Like it yeah. kind of makes sense. Get a playmaking, yeah. Yeah, similar sort of sort of guy. A little bit more athletic than Rajah Bell was. Better point guard skills, I would say, but maybe not as good a defender, yeah. But he plays the role that is given to him. He doesn't try and do stuff he's not capable of doing, which I think is a really important thing in the league. And yeah, I mean, he, as I say, he's just he's getting to the right spots. When guys are doubling off him, He's relocating to spots where he knows he can hit the three. He knows Luca or whoever it is, Kyrie Irving, can make that pass. And he's knocking him down with confidence. So I just, I love this Dante Exum. And he's still young. Oh, it's so good to see because he's had such a checkered injury history and he's just so good when he plays for the Boomers. So yeah, I think it's it's really fantastic to see him finally. Hopefully he's found his home. 
what's the chance that he gets a season ending injury by the time we, don't run, even. we fucking release yeah, this? Yeah, before we finish editing. <gasps> Speaking of the Mavs, Luka Doncic had the first ever 25-point triple-double in a half in their 50-point drubbing of the Jazz. He finished with 40-11 and 10 in three quarters. It's a 30-point triple-double by half. Uh, well, maybe... I think it was 30. Maybe it was the first ever 25-plus. Right. Okay. I, I I should have. I don't have my source here, so I should have noted that down. So yeah. Well, either way, yeah. Twenty five yeah, plus. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, either yeah. way, it's still the first. So yeah, amazing. He's he's just one of these guys. I, I love how he does it with such. I can't even say with pace. With no pace. You know, he just gets to his spots. He feels for contact. He manages to create just enough separation to get shots off. He's just he's playing such an incredibly high level. And I think the Mavs are going to go pretty far this year. Yeah, hey, things are looking pretty good. And Lively is a really great draft pick. We've talked about him before. I'm not going to punch you in the arm, but I'm I'm shaping up for it. I'm really annoyed because I had a comparison that I wanted to make, and it seems that Jason Kidd beat me to actually speaking to someone about it. I said right from day one he had Tyson Chandler in him. Oh, yeah, but I think that's pretty obvious. Doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I called him Tyson Gadzarich, remember? Because his face, he's got some, like, some some of his, was it his face or was it the way he played? There, there's some combination yeah. there. But, just, yeah, no, yeah. The first game I saw him play, I'm like, this oh, guy. They would have been making those comps in college. They might have been. Probably, maybe even high school, who knows. I don't watch it, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm claiming yeah. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, just the way he rolls, the way he finishes dunks, the way he sets screens, he blocks shots, he just... Yeah, he just screams Tyson Chandler. And the fact that he's playing for the Mavs as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Just... I, I love lunch pale bigs that just get their job done. They play defense. They get rebounds. They sit in the dunker spot. They don't need the ball too much. I love those sort of players. Dallas tend to do quite well with those. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Had, yeah. Uh, Brennan Haywood for a little while when he came across from Washington. DC Garner Diop. Uh, who else? Yeah, they've had a few over the years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll just Evan Eschmeyer. <laughs> right, on that note. Uh, I've got another bad. Yeah, let's go. Which kind of leads into our standing item. It does. So Detroit achieved a winless month of November. The Spurs and Wizards were not much better. A couple of days ago, they were 1-48 and 48 combined in their last 49 games. Washington getting the sole victory amongst the group against the Pistons. So mm. someone had to win that game. And they all lost today. In fact, I don't know if any teams won since I saw that stat a few days ago. So it's probably closer to like 155 now or something. Yeah, it would be something like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, not good. So I don't think this is going to happen, but there is actually an outside chance that the Spurs and Pistons could play on January 11th on 30 and 34 game losing streaks, respectively. That would break the 2015-16 Philadelphia 76ers record of 28 straight losses across two seasons. They would actually both break that record. I think the Pistons could actually get there. Their roster construction is just embarrassing. Right Lots now. of bigs, yeah. But like Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart are just not starting players. None of their experienced players have even played properly. Like Monte Morris has zero games this season. Boyan Bogdanovich has played four. Joe Harris has played eight. Like some of their young guys look decent, but they're just not game winners. They want another high draft pick so they can draft another center. Well, this is it. This is what they do. They keep drafting. Get Alexander Saar, you know? Yeah, they just keep <laughs> drafting all these bigs that are just doing nothing. So, uh, look, I think the Spurs... Might... We'll be fine. We'll win a couple of games I, before that. I think the Spurs have a chance because yeah. I think you've nah, got... we will. You've got a back-to-back against somebody who's average. I can't remember who it is. But it doesn't even matter. In the NBA, you face a team third game in four nights or guys yeah. are injured. or We nearly had a win today, like you said. No, we, we there's no way we're going to keep losing to it. And, and that's the thing. Obviously, if you can catch somebody, yeah. The Lakers obviously didn't want to play LeBron because they'd already played a game. They're coming off that 
Well, they had two extra games with the tournament. Trip to Vegas. Yeah, he's been playing a lot of a lot of minutes too, LeBron. But I tell you what, Detroit at twenty one straight losses, they're a very good chance of losing the next thirteen. I agree. Detroit Detroit are a chance. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This I know we'll win a couple. We won't many, but we'll win a couple between now and then, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy to think we started three and four. Oh, it's crazy to think the Pistons started two and one. Yeah, well, did and they? Now, I forget this. And now they're two and twenty-one. Yeah, right. I forget this. I forget this. Should we move to Wemby watching Thunder talk as Danny Adams? Sure. While we're on the Spurs, so Wemby had his first twenty-twenty against the Bulls on the weekend. I really enjoyed watching that game. So he had twenty-one points, twenty boards, four assists, four blocks, and a steal. Today he had thirty and thirteen with six blocks and three steals. And he's actually had 15 blocks in his last three games. And this is in part because the Spurs have changed how they're using him defensively. So in the first 16 games, he was defending just under four and a half shots at the rim per game. Now it's risen to more than nine and a half, closer to 10 per game. And in my opinion, I'm guessing that's because a lot of big guys, when they first come into the league, can have trouble with with fouls. So I think that, that they've probably, now that he's kind of got a quarter of the season under his belt, I think they're putting him at the rim more. And like I said, He's blocking a lot of shots. I mean, if he can just go vertical, no one's finishing over him. Like, there's just, Not very often. There's, there's, there's nobody consistently. It's just not possible. I'm sorry. Maybe Jericho Sims, because he can pretty much touch the roof. But oof, he's a long way out there. It is incredible. You know, him and Brooke Lopez are within, I think, 0.02 of a block per game for the league lead. He's sitting eighth in rebounding. So he's rebounding. He's short yeah. blocking. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Like, obviously, we know the offense is going to be a bit inconsistent. I think he had a game against Minnesota the other day where he had 12 and 10, which, look, still good rebounds. But Yeah, I mean, this guy isn't 20 until April Fool's Day next year. Yeah. So he'll be 19 for months. Kind of Absolutely. What I'm getting at is, obviously, once the consistency comes, he will be just so unstoppable. And it's really, really great to see. The other thing I love seeing is that he he seems to play better at the end of games. Mm. There's been a couple of games where if we just had one better supporting cast player, we would have won in the last few. Like that Chicago game, we probably should have won. So that's a really good sign too, that he plays well down the stretch. Yeah, I like the signs of that. Yeah. So he's averaging 19 points, nearly 11 boards, two and a half assists, three blocks, nearly one and a half steals on 44% from the field, 28 from three. His shot selection is getting a bit better. 80% from the line, which is really good. Yeah. So that helps a lot. We can leave him in late in games. Bassey's just got injured for the season. Yeah, yeah. So we don't have a lot of big man depth. I'd love to see us pick up Jack White. Hopefully we'll get Jack. I'd love to see yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, things still looking good. As I said, I will do my best to catch up over the Christmas break with the Spurs games. I've probably seen uh, two thirds, I would say, at this point. So yeah, you know, I, I just I just wish we had a slightly better supporting cast, but hey. You know what the Bassey injury means? What's that? More shots for Zach Collins. Oh, yeah. Well, he's played well. He's played pretty well this season. He I like Zach Collins. He shoots too much. Oh, uh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's, yeah. I just feel like when you're playing on a team that has Wemby, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, like he shouldn't be the guy that's taking the most shots. Regardless of the fact like he's... How many games is he taking the most shots? I don't know. Yeah. Every one of them, probably. No, well, yeah. <laughs> That, it's not a prevailing thought of mine. Every time I've seen, I've seen a few Spurs games, and every time he the ball goes into him, it's very, very rare that he passes. He just seems like oh yeah, yeah, well, a lot of bigs. A lot of bigs are like that, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's just yeah, he seems even worse than most. Anyway, it's it's a learning season. It is. Oh, it is, and that's how they're treating things. I'm sure Pop would have liked a couple more wins to his all-time tally. Yeah. Good on him. He could have walked off into the distance and maintained his his percentage. Yep. already as the all-time winningest coach. Hmm. So, yeah, look, I was maybe I was maybe a bit too much of a homer the last time we recorded. Like, 
maybe I would defended him too. I just love Pop. No comment. I love him. I love him. Yeah, well, you and I have already talked about I'm, this. I'm going yeah, 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 yeah. to play the fifth. <laughs> Thunder talk. What do you got? Uh, look, I mean, not. Because I haven't seen any in the no, last week. No, <laughs> a couple no, of weeks. Not a whole heap. I'm loving, obviously, what I'm seeing. Shea Gilgis Alexander, obviously, playing all NBA first team level again. Chet Holmgren seems like he's gone to another level. He's really consistent. So is Jalen Williams. What I love, though, is the fact that we're playing well on both sides of the ball. So seventh in offensive rating, sixth in defensive rating right now. I don't think there was another team that was in the top seven for both. So it's exciting to see, you know, obviously both sides of the ball. We're getting steals. We're getting blocks. Obviously, having Chet helps with that sort of stuff. He looks like KD sometimes, man. Yeah. He he still could. He could be better than Wemby. The Golden State Warriors fucking hate him as well. Oh, <laughs> he... The last two games, he hit a three to force overtime in the first one. And then the second one, Draymond Green fouled him on a three-pointer and he hit all three free throws. We won both of those games. Oh, so he looks very good. He, he does. And the other thing as well, and I know you're not a big plus-minus guy, but Chet and Case and Wallace have the two highest plus-minuses for rookies in the entire league. So it says that they're impacting on winning, which I love. You know, Again, we've spoken about both of these guys, Case and Wallace, just shooting the day. Oh, it was a steal. Yeah. yeah. Just shooting the piss out of the ball. Yeah. I love what he does. I love what he brings. Just everyone's playing their role. Even guys that are maybe not getting huge minutes off the bench. Davis Bertan's a really good uh, idea. He sat on the bench pretty much all season. He comes in. He's, he knows his role. It's going there. You've got the ultimate green light, as he kind of always has. But he makes plays. So, yeah. I, oh, I like Bertans. It's just the the cost of, uh, at times, his contract's been a bit pricey. Yeah. But I know I liked him when he played for us, yeah. Look, yeah. I think what you'll find with us is exactly the same thing you'll find with a number of teams. We'll be a great regular season team. Maybe, maybe very good to great, I would suggest. I, I think based on where we are now, I think 15 and 7, we should be eyeing up 50 wins. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Will, will we get past the second round of the playoffs? Probably not. Well, you need to sometimes have a few disappointments before exactly. you can. Yeah. But there's a lot of teams in that same. Like Orlando still currently sitting second. Minnesota. I mean, yep. they look really good. Will they have the experience? They've got some guys with experience, but But these young teams, it's more important for them to bank wins to get that home court advantage. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Because the veteran teams like the Lakers, like the Heat, I think is another yep. good example. They just want to be healthy come playoff yep. time. They reckon they can win out of it. They can win out at eighth. Well, and, they, and they can. And they can. They can. It's harder. We saw Miami do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they didn't win the championship. But yeah, yeah. They got there. They got there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. no home court advantage the whole time. Yeah. Is and, and we know that they that they don't fear anyone. And they probably actually give the heebie-jeebies to Milwaukee, for example. Yeah. Maybe Boston too. So, yeah. Maybe not this year. This Boston team's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 But hey, if Porzingis is out for a prolonged time, then, you know. Yeah. Yeah, anything yeah. can happen. Oh, look, exciting times. You got anything else? I got one more thing in the bits and pieces section. Bits and pieces, yep. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw, but like 15 games into the season, Jokic led the league in points, rebounds, and assists. It's not the case anymore. Uh, he's in the top 10 of all three, and he's you know, he's not far off. He led the league in rebounds now. But anyway, he was thrown out of a game in Chicago, and they only play there one game a year. It's home to the biggest population of Serbians outside of Serbia itself. And, okay, yes, he had some terse words for one of the refs on the way back up the court after I think he got fouled. He did, yeah. But he was ejected even though he hadn't received a warning or even a first tech. So crew chief Mark Lindsay said, to be clear, Jokic was ejected after one technical foul because he directed profane language at the official that by our standards warranted an ejection. 
So Jokic acknowledged that he crossed the line, and, and those those were the words he used, crossed the line. But he also said that sometimes that sort of language doesn't even get a tech, let alone an automatic ejection. And he didn't want to say any more because he likes his money, which is fair enough. He needs it for, to buy horses. Basically. Yeah, well, that's right. So the question is, who's in the wrong here? Okay. So from what I've heard, the trigger word that got him thrown out was motherfucker. Oh, please. The, no, please. Hey, really? Don't shoot me. No, 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 no. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just the messenger. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, no I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not shooting you. <laughs> that's amazing. So, yes, that was apparently the word that was used. Now... I've never been a massive fan of the single tech ejection, especially when it's just words. If we're talking about a punch to the face, absolutely. Ejection, like a Draymond Green. Or if you bring someone's family into it or, you know, there's been some harsh shit said in the AFL over the years, players talking about players' kids and other shit. Uh, that, yeah. that, that is out of bounds yeah, with the words. Absolutely. Like calling someone a motherfucker. Fucking hell. That word must be used, what, 20 times a game by players? Well, more. Yeah. Think. See, the thing is... If you're talking, and obviously the bit that you've you've spoken about, at the end of the day, this is a sport, but it's also a product. It's a product that generates revenue, and you're removing arguably the best player on the planet right now. Inarguable in my case. Well, no, 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 no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Giannis had a sixty-four today. Can make an argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether you agree with it or not, like there is an argument to be had. You're removing him from that game for saying the word motherfucker is a joke. It is a joke. At that stage, if you're a good referee, you give him a tech, you pull him aside and you say to him, I did not see a foul. The language you used, I understand you're frustrated and you felt you got fouled. The language isn't appropriate. I do not want to throw you out of the game. Can we take a second and just calm down? Whether If he doesn't respond to it and he keeps going, fair enough. You give him a second one and you throw him out. But You've got to at least give him a chance to calm down, especially because he was fouled. Vucevic hit him across the arm, a little bit of body. He's got every right to be frustrated. There was also two hands in the back before he made the spin move. So you could argue he was fouled multiple times. Oh, and sometimes you can see the scratches and stuff on his arms yeah. too. Like, yeah. But like, don't compound the fact that you've missed a call yes. by throwing him out. Like yeah. Giving him a tech is one thing because if he's called you a motherfucker, that's crossing a line. Absolutely. But it's too far. Yeah, no, that's that reeked of some whistleblower shit to me. Yeah, like, yeah, and we've we've said it before. These people do not pay big money to come along and watch the referees. They come along to watch Jokic. They come along to watch Vucevic, Levine. Well, and it's well, bad enough. Sorry, not Levine because he's, he's yeah. injured at the moment. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. but the, it's bad enough. The fact that it happened in the city with the biggest population of Serbs who were there to yeah. see him, their hero, their national hero. It's a very unfortunate call. That ref is a motherfucker. Yeah. He is a motherfucker. He is. Um, Ejection. <laughs> I guess I'll be doing the rest of this on my own then. How do I edit, Nathan? <laughs> so, NBL Stewie, Melbourne United continue their dominance opening round 11 that was played today with a 28-point drubbing of the Phoenix in throwdown 32. I didn't see any. I was working. I don't know if you saw any. You were working too. Probably. I saw one ridiculous crossover and fadeaway Oh, yeah, you showed me that. Yeah, Four-point play from Chris Golding. The guy is just incredible. Oh, it's out of his mind. Look, there's no weaknesses to that team. They've got dominant bigs. They've got dominant guards. They play both yep. They play both sides of the ball. Yeah. Like, they're just... If they don't win it, it's probably a season choke. Well, like I said all along, their biggest challenge is a chemistry experiment. Their biggest challenge is keeping everyone happy. And it's working so far. So far, so good. Winning helps. It does. Winning keeps people happy, generally. Yeah. Yeah. 
Southeast Melbourne on the flip side just got rid of an import. You're happy with the replacement? Yeah, geez, Abdul Nader. Talk about a, a quality player. I was very, very sad when he left OKC and went to, funnily enough, the Phoenix Suns. Ah, okay. So he seems to be drawn to the Phoenix side of things. Mm, mm. I really I rate him. Obviously, it didn't quite stick in the NBA, but he's got good size. Kind of like a Denzel Valentine sort of player. You know, he's got the range. Can get a bit shorter, not as long. A bit shorter, a bit stockier though as well. So, you know, he'll be able to sort of get into that mid post, uh, maybe like a smaller version of DJ Hogue even. So, so, yeah, look, I like the pickup. We don't always see NBA caliber players come across and dominate as we expect. So quite often they'll come in, they struggle with getting used to the rules. They struggle with the different fouling. Yeah. The fouling, the different sort of distances on the threes. So who knows, but on paper, I love it. And apparently it was off-court stuff because Cummings was playing pretty well. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, Cavs GM Mike Gansey was in attendance to see Trav get 13 points, five boards and a steal on five of eight shooting in 20 minutes. It's, it looks like Gary Brown was the only one that did anything for Southeast Melbourne looking at the box score. There was a lot of pretty poor shooting. Otherwise, uh, he, he played quite well by the looks well, of things. They struggled to shoot because of bloody JLA. So yes. Seven. seven blocks for Joe Luala Chill. That's, uh, that's impressive. Mike Gansey was in attendance, as I mentioned. He said, Luke's getting better and better. He's someone we think could be a future Cavalier. There's Ooh. a vote of confidence, isn't it? A Cavalier statement? Well, it's it's pretty, like, it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could be a future Cavalier. You could be, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean... I don't know. It's, it wasn't a vote of confidence, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully he gets over there. Absolutely. Quick one, my Facebook memory. Eight years since Jermaine... Or had that 40 against United, it popped up on my Facebook yeah. in the brief time I didn't deactivate it. Popped up in mine, one of the greatest live experiences of my life. Yes, me too. And great for us to be second or third row for that as well. Second row courtside, I believe. Yeah. 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 It was uh, very, very close. So, it yeah. was, it was. Well, as I've said to a number of people, you can see both of us standing up in the highlight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's true. It's true. So I've written here Morse come out about the CJ Bruton story, although I've misspelt it Burton, but it is Bruton. I changed it on mine. Yeah, it's, it's no little red line when it's a proper word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but I just realised it's been nearly two weeks since we recorded, or about two weeks, and so we haven't talked about the sacking yet. True. He got the ass. He did. Another coach. Look, I mean, it's hard to defend when you look at, obviously the different rosters that he's helped put together, the fact that you go back a season and they had that incredible duo with Antonius Cleveland and Robert Franks, still couldn't make that work. They still missed out on the playoffs. They were under 500. The Randall situation obviously didn't help. It but didn't. Yeah. But at the same time, they still had enough talent there. And they had enough time to turn it around when they got rid of him too. Yeah, they, yeah. they did. So, you know, he was involved with putting the current roster together. It's terrible, quite frankly. I mean, you got to look at some of the stuff as well. Yeah, DJ Vasiljevic. Okay, we know he's a quality player, but he's also one of the most selfish players I've ever seen. And a shit commentator. And a very shit commentator. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a whole nother ball game. But like, if you look at him, you know, his handle's not as good as you think it is. He was optimized as a player in Sydney off the ball. Yeah, not getting a lot of attention because of the guys like Jalen Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Ian Clark. Yeah. If yep. you look at the Cairns game over the weekend, Jacob Wiley was eight of thirteen. Isaac Humphreys was nine of eleven, and yet it comes to crunch time and it's just ISO ball by him. He goes ten of twenty six. He had a, a very very key turnover, which led I think to a fast break basket. He's just he's not that guy. He's not an MVP candidate. He'll probably come out and have thirty five in the next game on like 
No, but he's, he's ca- no, I agree. He's capable, and he he will have the big game every now and then. But he's not your big. He's not first banana, and maybe even not second banana. He he would function very well as third banana, where the first two guys are getting a lot of attention, and he's getting open threes in the corner. I agree. Yeah. And and the thing is, if you look at that fourth quarter, Cairns was doing exactly the same thing they did in the first three quarters. You had Tajir McCall getting into the lane, kicking out. He had fifteen. Oh, he had a monster game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Patrick Miller was spectacular in that. Bobby Clintman had the best game he's had in Australia. They shot the ball at incredibly high. I think it was 43% from deep on a pretty decent number as well. They'll be scary. They, they will be. Yeah. But as I said, it was drive and kick, whereas Adelaide, everything was iso ball, whereas the first three quarters, they were getting guys involved. They were moving the ball. It was just, it was a different Adelaide team. And it was really exciting for a while. And I think we almost sort of thought, oh, geez, the the new coach curses. Yeah, oh, it's always the way, yeah. But unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And look, full credit to Scott Ninnis. He made some tough calls. He shortened the rotation. No Jason Kadee, no Tory Smith-Milner, no Sunday Detch. Galloway only had, I think, two minutes. Mitch McCarron only played 10 minutes. Well, get this. Okay. So I saw that Jed Wells posted a quote from a Mick Randall, Matt Logue, Herald Sun article. Apparently, there was a meeting between Grant Kelly, who's the owner of the team, and CEO Nick Barbado, where Bruton was told to cut his rotation from 12 players to eight. And I quote, it had been decided to shelve close to 900,000 in contracts, nearly half of the league's $1.82 million salary cap in a reaction to Saturday night's 35 point hiding at the hands of the Jack Jumpers, where the Sixers only just avoided an all-time franchise low of 59 points. The names of those four players, Mitch McCarron, Jason Kiddie, Sunday Ditch, and Isaac Humphreys were told to not be played for the Cairns Clash. Oh, I mean, Humphreys played well, so I can understand why they... I think this was a previous Cairns game where Britain was still coach. Yeah, yeah, fair fair enough. So, obviously, yeah, they they played again. Yeah, but those guys, obviously, they're the guys. It's not really a big surprise. McCarron maybe deserves more than 10 minutes. I mean, he hasn't been playing amazingly, but... Oh, he's good enough to at least play half a game. But he's a, he's a, yeah, he's a captain and he's still going to be a leader of this team. Did you see that video footage? The rant? Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I, I, I liked that. It's great to see. I think it's great leadership. The thing that was most disappointing about it was whoever was in charge of putting in the bleeps for all the swearing because they did a terrible job. At that. Oh, I saw it unedited. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, whoever, whoever put the bleeps in, it was just like they were just guessing. Yeah, right. Because you'd, you'd hear one of them, but they would bleep the whole word out. Then the next one you would hear like the F-U-C and the bleep out. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Come on, like, you're better than that. I, I liked it, but I don't know if we need to see that. I like some of that team stuff to be behind closed doors, but, but I don't mind. It's all, that's always going to get leaked. Yeah, yeah, I was 10 years, I think. It's it was. Fake, you know, yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he said all the right things, but, geez, they've been complaining a lot. They've been pointing the finger far too much and not looking in the mirror enough. Like, they were complaining about their road trip, New Zealand and Tassie. It's like, guys, just leave a day earlier or something. Like, these things can be managed. I know it's not great, but every team faces difficult. I mean, there's there's games where Perth will play at home on a Friday and then fly over to Sydney or Melbourne or Queensland for a game on the Sunday mm-hmm. or vice versa. Yep. Lots of teams, New Zealand and Perth, do more travel than anyone. And, and So again, stop whinging about this shit. And it's been brought up by a, a number of people, but think back to the Doomsday Double Day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Teams would come across and play Adelaide one night and come and play in Perth the next. Yep. I'm sure they were as pissed off at that, but you never heard them come out and go, oh, this is bullshit. We shouldn't have to play in you know, these faraway lands. <laughs> you know, it's just... Like at the end of the day, guys, you're on a plane. You're probably in, maybe not in business class, but you probably are. 
but you can manage this shit like a little bit less training maybe yeah leaving at a different time it's yeah, yeah. i don't know it's, it's when this shit creeps in it's no wonder that the team underperforms because they're not taking enough responsibility for their actions yeah but yeah. that's why it's good though that mccarran called them out on it yes because yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he said all those things you know you're whinging you're throwing everyone under the under the bus f this f that you know whole bunch of swearing good fun yeah fuck beep yeah basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh Ooh, episode title <laughs> uh, we've never put a swear word in a title before fuck beep. <laughs> I, I was thinking shohei's payday maybe as the title yeah we'll think about this shohei's payday parentheses fuck, fuck beep. beep yeah yeah uh <laughs> motherfucker yeah that's it's a lot of fucks this week and we might be a record actually maybe. yeah yeah, it's it's not. Uh, what was it? Blink one eighty two. What's that movie where they apparently say the word "fuck" three hundred eighty two times? That's with the. I mean, I don't like them. I mean, the South Park movie. Had yeah, well, that's true. That yeah, you're right. For yeah. a very long time. Anyway, we spoke about Cairns. Speaking of Cairns, I don't know if you saw the Cairns and Kings game, but a fifty one minute delay meant that the second half was played without a shot clock after the teams agreed to it. The Kings, who won by three, were clearly holding the ball for, in some cases, two shot clock lengths. According to some, I didn't actually see it. I, I planned on going back to watch, but I just ran out of time. Jonah Antonio thought he banked into three to force overtime, but it was just after the buzzer. What a fast. I think it was well after. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. I think it was oh, yeah. pretty comfortably after. Okay, yeah. Okay. I was actually surprised that they all went up. It, yeah, it, fair enough. Okay, yeah, I didn't see it, as I say. So. Look, it is a fast, but at the end of the day, it's not like there was a shot clock at one end and not at the other. Both teams played under the same. So it's... It's Mickey Mouse. It's a bit of an embarrassment to the league. But at the end of the day, I don't think either team was really necessarily penalised. Now, I, I, I'll admit, I didn't watch it either. If they did as bad a job of... Because like the whole idea with that is if you've got no shot clocks, somebody at the bench would usually be sounding a little... Yeah, like a warning. at 10 seconds. That's what they used to do back in the day. They yeah, they used to be that warning. Yeah. So fair enough, like, if they're not doing that, that's disappointing and that probably would then contribute to guys holding it for, as you say, the equivalent of two shot blocks. That's not good. Well, in NBA stadiums, yeah, in a three-point game. That's so not right. In NBA games, in NBA stadiums, they have backup shot clocks that they put on the floor. Yep. Why doesn't every NBL venue have two backup shot clocks that they can put on the floor? Yeah. Yeah, it could have been handled better. It, it could have been. But yeah. as I say, at the end of the day, if all the, all the players and both teams are kind of in the same circumstance, eh, it sucks, but it's not like any team was disadvantaged more than the other. No, no, I agree. If if they're playing under the same parameters, it's it's on the officials to do their best to ensure that a team isn't holding the ball for 45 seconds. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah, if it was that long. As I Why say, I didn't you? see it. Mind you, they can't count to three, so how are they going to count to 24? <laughs> Moving on. Ah, uh, yes, three in the key. Well, I do have some stuff about the refs. So DJ Vasilievich, we just talked about him, was fined $4,000. Now, 3000 of it was suspended for a year for his comments about the refs. A couple of interesting kind of pushbacks from that. And look, I, I feel like we've been very negative on the NBL this year and I don't try to be, but then all this stuff happens and we kind of have to address what's happening. Yeah, they give us a reason. And look, like it is an embarrassment for the league, but crazy shit happens. Like in the AFL, stupid shit's happen. Like Every season, there's always some weird, like it's, so it's not just the NBA. Even the NBA, they have problems there too with things every now and then, whatever it might be, the stanchion or the... Things do go wrong. Yeah, or that that bullshit goal that Adelaide were denied against your Swans, <laughs> or the time that the Richmond St Kilda game didn't have shot clocks. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. No, no, but it does. I mean, you, yeah, you're making my my point. It does happen. Yeah. But so a bit of pushback. The flip side of that. So Harry Froling, why am I seeing nonstop posts about protecting refs from criticism and article upon article? 
Yet players get way worse and lose contracts when they don't perform, but no bells and whistles for them. I'm not sure he used bells and whistles in the correct context. No. But anyway, same referees underperforming, but not at the risk of losing their jobs. Seems weird. Sam Vecini, I've, I've quoted him a lot lately, but he's watching a lot of NBL and he has good takes. If everyone around the NBL seemingly is complaining about the officials this year, maybe it's not the fact that they're complaining that's the problem. It may, in fact, be that they have a point and the officiating has to improve. There are a couple of new refs this year, and I haven't loved them. Mm, that's fair. There's a couple of old refs that I don't particularly love, <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I, look, I don't disagree the umpiring is horrible, and that's certainly not a secret with us. We have said that the umpiring is kind of what has kept our league down for yeah. a little while. Yeah. But I, I don't know if you make the comparison between the players, because most of that criticism is coming from the fans and the media. Whereas the umpires were coming out and going, oh, player X's shooting was pathetic tonight or he did a terrible job on defense, they would get fined as well. So I don't know if you could necessarily use that that same sort of parallel and all the bells and whistles. As, uh, yeah, as, yeah. As he said. Maybe that's our title. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's our title. Incorrect bells and whistles. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I'm not sure necessarily about that. Look, I understand obviously the criticism that players receive does potentially cost them contracts or playing time and all of that sort of stuff. So I, I think there's some validity there, but yeah, I just, I don't know if there's quite the same sort of thing. And look, at the end of the day, the refs are kind of sacrosanct. You can't really go after them, can you? Not well, the players can't, but yeah. I think the pro- this is the problem when the league kind of controls their own media. So the commentators are reluctant to say certain things because yeah. they're on the league's payroll. And this is always one of the compromised positions by doing it that way. And I, there are benefits too, and I see them. But I kind of agree with Vecini. If there's a lot of smoke, maybe there's fire and maybe we need to address oh. it. And I do think sometimes the league tends to defend refs as a default setting rather than maybe going, nah, do you know what? The standard needs to improve. And I think sometimes that's all fans want to hear. We will be working on the standard. Would you, know? you like to see an equivalent of a two-minute report? Uh, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much, how much, uh, again, I'm talking about whistleblower a lot this episode, but I remember they addressed that on the podcast series and I recommend anyone to listen to it if they don't mind kind of, you know, finding out that Santa Claus isn't real as far as the NBA is concerned. Wait, but they, but they. Well, what do you mean? Hey, I've used that analogy many times. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ruined Christmas, Nathan. I won't say whether or not he's real, but anyway. Um, <laughs> is Tim Donner he real? <laughs> he is. Shit. But one of the things about the two-minute report, well, they just started fudging stuff in at the start of the second quarter, for example, when no one was paying attention. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, no, if, look, they should look at it. But also, let's let's not insinuate that they're... No, no, we're not. No, 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 sorry. You're right, you're right, you're right. Your refs aren't doing anything dodgy. I'm glad you said that. I am not implying... I'm implying incompetence rather than nefarious dodgy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. But, also potentially like to see them get called for the particularly bad calls. Here's one from the second quarter where a guy took 17 steps and no travel was called. Or here's, or like you said, someone camping in the key for 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Or here, here's one of a Sydney Kings coach kicking a LED sign and not getting taxed. <laughs> hey, Woody. Heaven help you if you call anyone a motherfucker. Yeah, true. Yeah. I've got one. You got anything else? I got one little thing, I guess interesting crowd numbers john casey i i'm i'm actually looking forward to this because i do have something i wanted to okay. mention with this so go for it so i think it's not 
unfair to say that the NBL's closest competitor as far as leagues concerned is the A-League and the soccer. And there's a number of reasons, the size, the time of year that it's played. They kind of compete with one another. So John Casey posted, well, unless you disagree, do you agree with the, like, obviously they're different sports. The, I think it's the closest comparison. I think the, I think the National Hobby Horse competition's pretty close. Do you remember that? I do, yeah, yeah, I do. That was one of my opening bounces. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so John Casey posted crowd figures at the respective halfway points of the season approximately. So the NBL in round 10, 43,741 total attendees, which is an, an average of 7,290. That is slightly above the season average of 7,072 per game. The A-League in round seven, 39,085 total with an average of 6,514. Their season average, however, is 7,704. So it's interesting to see, is this an anomaly or is the NBL kind of projecting up? To Traje- use your oh, word. I love it. I was trying to... And is the A-League projecting down? When you were talking about the misuse of bells and whistles, I was trying to remember the word. <laughs> I couldn't remember the word. Yeah, titles, Stuart. No, I couldn't bloody remember. It's been three weeks. Yeah, no, yeah, it has nearly, yeah. It's my fault. Well, no, work's been shit for me too. So no, no, no. It's been a busy time. This is a really interesting one. I, I actually think it's almost a tad misleading because it depends where the games are being played. Like if you look at the Illawarra versus Perth game, it was played in Illawarra. Their crowd, I think, was somewhere in the vicinity of 3,000. You play that in Perth, you're probably looking at an extra 8,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing, soccer stadiums hold more. Usually, yeah. So there'll be more empty seats at the soccer. And, and that's, funnily enough, the exact thing I was going to say. I think, because if you look at, maybe there's a round where Perth, Sydney and Melbourne play away to, let's just say, Illawarra, Tasmania and Cairns. Yeah, yeah, yep. Those teams might have a full capacity, but it's three to 4,000 versus playing at, at Kudos or where's Melbourne playing that? John Kane? Yeah, yeah. I think it is, yeah, anyway. Yep. It's been, it's been a while since I've watched the Melbourne game. Yeah, actually. yeah, no, John Kane, yeah, but yeah. yeah. If, if it's being played at those the, those two plus, obviously, RAC. Yeah, right? well, RAC is more than John Kane, I think. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, probably yeah. looking at, you know, 10, 12, 13,000 versus three yep. or four. Yep. So I think the best way to look at that would actually be to say, right, what percentage of the stadium is full? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's it's a bit blunt force, isn't it? It's, it's kind of, it's interesting, but that's all it is. I don't know how much you yeah. can extrapolate. Even then... The numbers can still be fudged. We we spoke to a certain Sydney Kings supporter recently who said that the numbers at one of the games was probably closer to nine thousand. Oh yeah, they counted memberships rather than yeah, yeah it should be barcode so, barcode scans. Yeah. So yeah, it's like you can still fudge those numbers a little bit, but yeah, saying oh look at that the you know the A League had a slightly higher average for this particular round. I don't know. I think that's maybe a bit misleading. Yeah, no, I love John Casey, but I agree it's just interesting information. But I don't know how much you can draw from it. Yeah. Nathan, I did have one quick question I do want to ask you. What is your thoughts on slapping of the backboard being an automatic goal 10 in the NBL right now? Uh, well, basket interference, I think you could make a case that it, if it was slapped at the right time, it could change the trajectory of the ball. So, I don't know. I'm if, okay with if, it. But if the ball's still trajecting up, yeah. as opposed to... Sorry, I'm just going to yeah. in that word. Yeah. It's just an interesting one because, obviously, players are trying to block shots. But if... You're saying that if the ball goes slightly higher than your hand and you slap the backboard trying to block it, but you don't touch the ball, it's automatically two points. I don't love that. No, I don't love that either. I was thinking of the on the really, you'd have to time it to perfection. But the odd occasion where you're hitting the backboard with your hand at the exact same time the ball hits the backboard, you could argue that you're creating a, you know what I mean? A ri- or oh. not a ripple, it's not the right, but you know what I mean? Yeah, you're creating yeah. a, yeah. 
I just don't love it. No, no, that's I fair just enough. Don't love it. Yeah, because yeah. you're really encouraging. It's a favor, though, right? It's but, a favor thing. But you're encouraging guys not to try and block shots. Yeah, interesting. I, I just don't like it. Anyway, yeah. no, no, fair, fair. Something fair. I noticed in one of the games, I just thought I'll look out I, for it. I don't love it. No, anyway. I'll look out for it. I'll, yeah. Oh, yeah, good take. So I guess before we talk about day one of the Australia Pakistan test kind of got to take a step back and have a look at a little feud that's been going on in the media between one David Warner and one Mitchell Johnson. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So Langer reckons he broke the player code. He uh, he wrote a very scathing article. I mean, they, they don't like each other. That's very clear. That's fine. And they're open about that. But there's two things in particular. So the two quotes that got me, it's been five years and Warner has still never really owned the ball tampering scandal. And the next one's a bad one. I know what you're going to say. Now, the way he's going out is underpinned by more of the same arrogance and disrespect to our country. Oh, okay. It's not what I expected. What's the one you've got? Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the case about Bunnings selling out of sandpaper or something. Oh, like, no. That was terrible. That yeah, was it's... terrible. Why would you do that? Why? Is Mitchell Johnson English now? Oh, I know. I know. I just, fuck. I don't know. Does Mitchell Johnson just need to calm the fuck down? <sighs> I, I agree with JL. He broke the player code. Look, when you're in the media, you've got a tricky position because you might be writing about guys that you used to play with, former teammates, former coaches, this, that, and the other. And so it is a bit of a tightrope. But there's no way I would have made that sandpaper comment. No way at no. all. And I think where he went wrong here is it was clearly too personal. And I think he could have made some of the points without getting that personal. And, and actually, when you're that personal, you detract from the message. Because people just look at it and go, oh, well, this bloke's just got an axe to grind. Yep. And so the any legitimacy in your comments about not... I, I actually agree. I think he could have owned it more. And I think he has passed the buck. Has Steve Smith owned it? Uh, I don't think he's really owned Oh, it. no. I think in the... in Well, going all the way back to the, the press conferences, I think that David Warner's was the worst press conference of the three, for example. But anyway, I, I, I don't even... What? People react to things. They react differently. It's... They do, they it's do. A different movie. It's, it's a different shark. shark. Australia just had the most on the first day of testing Australia since we made 384 in Canberra in 2018, 2019. And instead we're talking about the bloody sandpaper again. Why? It's an important part of our history. It's like the underarm ball. It will never go away. No, but the, the thing that I find really frustrating about this is as Aussies, we shouldn't be dragging each other down. Yes, like, I agree. You know, I mean, it's the tall poppy stuff. Like, but yeah, they're both tall poppies. Warner made a he made a massive mistake. He paid a massive price. He lost a year out of his prime, the same as Steve Smith. Okay, probably didn't get penalised quite as much as Cameron Bancroft because he kind of had his career derailed. It may come back now, who knows? But mm. but saying that he's going out on his own terms, I don't think Warner has once said. I'm going to play my last game in Sydney. I think the whole message has been, I would like to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which knows he can't call the shots. Exactly. And the thing is, if you look at it, okay, this is a guy who's made eight and a half thousand runs in his career. I think he just passed Saywag for 26th all time in test runs. He passed Viv Richards too. So we're talking about one of the all time greats of the game, regardless of all, you know, all the shit that has gone on. He's one of the absolute best. And we saw it today. We, yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't see much because we were working. Oh, I, I timed my I, lunch break with his ton. I saw a bit. I when he was on 95, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm taking my lunch break now. So yeah. I saw him raise his ton. And for him to come out in this farewell and score 164 on day one, the, the biggest thing that I find really frustrating about all of this is 
you know, I'll put the, the question to you. Do you think David Warner being in the team has impacted the winning culture? Positively. He scores runs and he's great in the field. There's only one team that has beaten us in a test series since twenty late 2018, and that's India. Yeah. The only team that's beaten us. Yeah. We and in- that was at home too, funnily enough. The, the home and away. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Two series. But yeah, yeah. We, generally speaking, win series when David Warner plays because we know what he's going to bring us. He has been, for the most part, an excellent fielder. He does make a lot of runs at the end of the day. And we know what he does at home. 20 of his 26 tons have come in Australia. He averages 60 at home. His overall average is 45. Hmm. Of course, he's a walk-up starter. I'd be okay with him keep playing, to be honest. Yeah. And see, what I did, I actually had a look at, because obviously we love basketball, I had a look at Kobe Bryant as a comparison. (laughs) As a comparison. Not just because I don't particularly, I never particularly loved the guy. but This is like Joe House always tells off Bill Simmons for bringing NBA into (laughs) NFL chats and stuff. (laughs) Got it, because I think think this sort of comparison. So if you look at the end of Kobe's career, it was an absolute disaster. He held on for probably three seasons too long, didn't help the Lakers develop any young players. His last game was... Took a shitload of money. Yeah, he did. The last game was all about him. I mean, obviously, it was incredible to see a guy go for sixty in his last game. No, I watched that game. It was a farce. But exactly, it epitomised how he was basically a selfish prick. Yeah, and and yet people look back on that game with nothing but praise and and fondness, even though that win took the Lakers to seventeen and sixty five on the season. Yeah, they were horrendous. Yep, worst in the West, second worst in the entire league behind the ten and seventy two Philadelphia team. Who were tanking for the process. Which was, yeah, Jalil Okafor and a bunch of shit. Yeah, well, they were tanking. And as I said, like it's not like Warner's presence is hindering Australia's ability to win test matches. So in that essence, I, I just don't really have a problem with him keeping going. No, like I said, he's a walk-up starter at home. And I would, if he wanted to keep going, I'd say, yeah, you can go until your form says you have to be pulled from the team. Yeah. And come next summer, if you wanted to keep going, I'd say, hey, you're very good at home. We'd be silly not to think of you. Yep. So, yeah, it's all been a bit funny, hasn't yep. it? It's all been a bit funny. Right. So, Nath, let's just say that everything goes as is planned. He plays the three tests and that's it. He hangs up the, the gloves for the tests at least. Well, there's a sneaky chance he could get to 9,000. You said eight and a half. Yeah. Listen to this. In his last 14 innings against Pakistan here in Australia, his scores of 144, 113, 55, 7, 16, 35, 130, 179, 2 not out, 20, 48 not out, 154 not out, 335. By the way, only eight blokes in the history of cricket have scored more than that in a test innings. And 164 today. Pretty decent. I'm not saying he'll get there, but he he could. He loves playing Pakistan in Australia. He absolutely could. Did you look at the the Aussie top ten, Shui? Oh, you're not trivia with that. I'm trivia with that. Motherfucker. Do you want to? Oh, I just got ejected for calling you a motherfucker. <laughs> Damn it. What is this? The top ten Aussies most test runs. All right. Well, Ponting. Ponting number one, thirteen thousand three hundred seventy-eight. Alan Border. Alan Border number two, eleven thousand one hundred seventy-four. Steve Smith. Steve Smith, fourth, 9,351. So Warner would be there as well. Warner, sixth, 8,651. I feel like both of the wars would be on there. Yes, they are. Steve War, third, 10,927. Mark War, ninth, 8,029. Matthew Hayden? Matthew Hayden, eighth, 8,625. You're doing bloody well. The Don kind of has to be on there. No, he's not. Oh, he's not. No, no, no. Get out. We get our uh, sound effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Justin Lane? 
Justin Langer, number 10, 7,696. What am I missing? Two? One? You missed this bloke recently, funnily enough, when we were talking about revised cricket names on cricket computer games. Former captain. Oh, God. Michael Clark. Michael Clark. He's number seven, 8,643. You did very well. Is that the lot? Yes, yeah, a lot. Hey. You did very well. I never get cricket ones you right. You did very well. Very well. I had to throw in one wrong answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I said Brad, when I was like, he wouldn't have played. Well, you can be forgiven. You for... beat him playing. This is the Don. Beat him playing off tennis. No. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, well, there you go. Anyway, sorry. Next topic. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the obvious question is, if Warner does bow out, who of the trio or, I don't know, there's probably three main names I think, I've, I've heard. I think there's four. Okay. Who are they? Matty Renshaw, who had a knock against the Prime Minister's eleven recently. I'm not convinced about him. He can bat time, though. Against or for? Four, sorry. <laughs> Good point. Cam Bancroft, mm-hmm. who just scores shield runs like they're going out of fashion. Yep. Then the other two are kind of bolters. Mitch Marsh. And Noah Bolter. Or Cam Green. No, Noah Bolter plays No, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, uh... Not sure I see Cam Green. I don't see, I think I see either of them as openers. I think it's worth an experiment, to be honest. Because of Cam Green, an interesting story today about I his kidney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kept that under wraps. He really did. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was like, oh, I wonder if Nathan's heard this one. I was just about to start, and then you, yeah, you beat me to it. The, they both can show the aggression that Davey Warner brought to the table. And they both come in at a time when the new ball's often pinging around anyway. So blokes that come in at, at six are often dealing with similar conditions to blokes that open. Okay. So Do you know what I mean? So no Marcus Harris then for you? I'd have Bancroft ahead of Harris. I, I would have Bancroft ahead of all of them. And I know... That- I, I, yeah, I would too. Yeah. And look, uh, maybe there's a little bit of WA bias there. I definitely don't think it was WA bias when I was talking about Inglis. Shout out to Woody with our World Cup stuff. I do think there's a little bit, but I do feel like he's been a bit hard done by, and I'd like to see him get another opportunity. He's the leading run scorer in Sheffield Shield matches this year. He's a right-hander. I always love that left-hand-right-hand combo because the field's obviously got to move around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's well, another bowler has to change their line of length. Yeah. yeah. He's a handy fielder. He's willing to be under the bat if he needs to be, which we haven't got really. Marnus Labashane's probably the only one who will fairly willingly I mean Harris would do that if Travis Head does Travis Head does sometimes yeah Marnus is probably the most prolific under there I I don't know I feel like Harris and Renshaw just both have flaws that I think will be exposed at that level I'm look I'm not saying that Bancroft's numbers jump off the page his test average is under 30 the same as the other two but I, I don't know I just feel like Bancroft is He's just playing some really great cricket right now. Yeah, I'd like to see him get another shot. So, yeah, look, I, I think that's probably where I would go. Would obviously love to hear if anyone else has other thoughts. Yeah, Trav Head's been mentioned as well. No, I, I don't think they should do no. that. I like him where he is. No. Yeah, I think they're, it's interesting. I'd be okay with them giving Mitch Marsh a go mm. against the Windies in three tests. Yep. Or Cam Graham, for that matter. Yep. If they wanted to play both of them. The problem is at the moment that Mitch can only bowl so much. I don't know how many overs you get out of him, but he's. I'm glad he's in the team. His form warrants it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, he, he should finish with at least 2,000 career test runs, which was, would have been un, uh, still a ways to go, don't get me wrong, yeah. but that would have been unheard of three, four years ago. He probably thought he was never going to get another oh, gig. He turned the perception of who he is as a player around very quickly, let's be honest. I mean, it was probably that uh that world cup knock that he had in the, the, in the t20s. t20s yeah well i made an, and i were at that game at the oval where he bowled out of his skin i think he had a five far we sat in members right over the bowler's arm that was fantastic that was a good test match performance 
So yeah, no, he's had a good few years. Yeah. By the way, you know the the bloke that said he shouldn't have put his feet on the trophy and how he should never be allowed back into India again. Mm. Apparently, he's come out and admitted that he was kind of it was borderline flog behavior. I think was the quote. So. Oh. I mean, it was, they're celebrating a win exactly they're probably, yeah. probably like seven or eight cans deep yeah oh god and we know the stories of of the stanley cup in the nhl like holy shit there was that video tom brady you're you gonna, tom brady yeah, yeah. from a boat to another boat yeah, we, we love sticking the boot in on tom brady <laughs> but yeah. it's you know that's obviously a, a clip that we've seen and credit to him he threw a great pass it got caught they didn't mess anything up but yeah well you can't deflate trophies <laughs> Oh shit! All right, move on. Uh, I just got bits and pieces. I don't know if you've got anything. Well, let's we'll finish with some levity. But uh, I don't know if you saw the Windies clinched their home ODI series against England. Would you believe it's the first time since 1998 when the likes of Kurtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Brian Lara, Shiv Chanderpaul, all those guys were knocking about. I wouldn't have believed that because I, I still don't believe that. I would have thought that there'd be one series somewhere in there where somebody had a blinder. You know, you talk about all the the great, those damaging sort of batsmen that would have come through the the middle order and the top order. I mean, obviously Chris Gale at the top. Yeah, yeah. You know, guys like Kyron Pollard. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, those those guys that kind of came through the T20s. Yeah, yeah guys yep. that could easily come out and make a 70 or 40 yep. or something like that. Darren Sammy, those guys. Yeah, you would have thought that at least one of them. So that that is obviously incredible. And, the big thing for me is I think it's been really disappointing seeing how much the West Indies have dropped off in the last few years. And obviously them not being at the world cup just felt wrong. So it, it is really nice to see that. And, you know, hopefully if more teams start playing well, it might encourage the ICC to expand the field a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, you look at the the football world cup, there's what 32 teams that start off in that. It's 64. It might I be 60. I don't know. I'm it's, pretty sure it's, 64. it's, it's a shit ton. It's way more. Yeah. 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 Compared to 10. Now, yeah. obviously, I know it's not played as widely as, as soccer is, but at the same time, if you could have 16, even 12, get two fields of six or three or four or whatever it happens to be, I don't know. I just feel like... They seem to tinker with the format every time, so exactly. you, know, you can almost guarantee they will. So yeah. it would, it would If anyone of... can see it, because it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Oh, love. How do you feel about this? Not great. Yeah. Not great. It's, yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've got Prime, but... No, the rich get richer. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but no, look, it's great to see. And look, for the most part, it was great to see that it wasn't just one person doing all the damage. There was, I think there was one where Shea Hope had 109, but all of the other games, including the first T20, it's been guys making 40s and 50s and 30s and chipping in with two or three wickets. So it's, it's And I'm sure sure they have a bit to prove after the World Cup. 100% they do. Absence. Good to see England's form continuing. Yes, indeed. Yeah, sorry to see. Gary, <sighs> mate. Did you see the ICC is bringing in, I quote, a stop clock method in the first T20 international? Well, it's already happened between the Windies and England, as you just said. So the team has to be ready to bowl the first ball of their over within 60 seconds of the previous over being completed. Two warnings are given. Don't tell the NFL refs. Failure to do so for the third time in the innings will result in a five-run penalty imposed against the fielding team. Absolute bullshit. It's interesting, isn't it? What the fuck are we rushing for? Like, where do people need to be that they can't watch a T20? Oh, it's gone two minutes oh, over. No, nah, they have blown out, though. They have blown you, you used to watch a T20 in three hours. Now it's like four hours, 15. I, they have blown out over time. And these strategic timeouts, there's a lot of bullshit. Yeah, as well. get rid of that That's the advertising. It's for the advertisers. Yeah. Again, I'm fine to get rid of that. But, like, here's a thought. If you're going to watch a T20, 
don't book a restaurant for straight after. <laughs> you know, give yourself time. Things that imagine if someone was like, oh well, uh, Jesus Christ, I'm actually, I think I'm actually about to say something in favor. Well, not not so much in favor, but for the bloody Elam ending. No, sure. No, 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 no. no. I would never, abs- never, never. Wash but, your mouth out. But like, this is the equivalent of people going, "Oh, the game went to overtime. Oh, I'm sad. It went for too long. They should get rid of overtime." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I kind of know what you're saying. Cricketers are taking the piss more and more with overrates, and they're an issue that's been across all formats. It's not just T20s. I'm okay with them experimenting in the T20s. It's not a World Cup. Hmm. I'm okay with them looking at this. It's maybe something they could do in in domestic leagues too. But it would actually change the way you mount a chase. Yeah. Can you imagine if, if like, you think you're chasing a certain number, right? You have to go really hard. You lose a couple of wickets. Then the bowling team twiddle their thumbs. All of a sudden, 15 runs have come off the target because they've had three penalties. Yep. So it's interesting, isn't it? That's why you can't mess around with the, with yeah. the runs. It's, yeah. You know, I heard a couple of the guys on the uh, the radio today talking about that, saying the same thing, like the, the run penalties it's just not right obviously it doesn't seem like the monetary fines is, yeah well that's the problem it's not though. doing anything yeah yeah but then that's when you you might sort of say well okay instead of doing that you might then dock them points kind of like what happened with the slow over rates in, in the wtc in the tests you might say all right you keep doing this you'll get the warnings but then you'll start getting docked points which could potentially impact you going to a world cup it could impact you going to a World Test Championship, which then has monetary... Well, it did affect Australia, yeah. 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 It's, it's got, obviously, monetary benefits from, yep. from all of that sort of stuff. So there's there's other things you can do. I just think these little things... I mean, okay, yeah, fair enough. Play around with them. But, oh, I, I just, like, at the end of the day, we're here to watch cricket. Like, sit down and commit to it. Don't try and fit too much into your day. Oh, yeah, it's a happy medium. I, I think I think they, they could tighten it a bit. They need to be really careful about how they do that. Exactly. Because like I said, it would be really funny in a T20 World Cup, for example, where a team all of a sudden is chasing something considerably less because of a few penalties. And it's it's changed the whole way they would structure and, and pace their innings. Well, I mean, imagine it comes down to the last over. And it's, yeah, a team, yeah. Team's chasing 20 and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, five-run penalty, it's 15, like that. Can you imagine the anticlimactic nature if they were chasing five? Yeah, exactly. And you know, forget the, twenty. The, they've won it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Imagine if they were chasing four. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like seven or eight. Oh, you've won because of a penalty. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting. It's, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. It is. I'll just tie a bow around. So I said that the three forty six was the most on a first day in about five years or so. For the record, the record is six for four ninety four against South Africa at the SCG a few years ago, 1910-1911 summer. I remember that guy. I was there. <laughs> 494, yeah, that's a few runs. Incredible. Yeah, that's a day of cricket. Oh, here's something, um, by the way, sorry, just go No, back. no, we're, we're up to the by the way section of the cricket because we're going to talk about that funny picture from the ACT. Yeah. yeah. That was something that I hadn't really thought about today. Obviously, uh, there were quite a few run all run fours today because the, the ground obviously... Yes, you were listening to grandstands? Yeah. They don't count as fours. That's like... That's basically like play in tournament black hole. Yeah, it's basically yeah, like, yeah. Four all run doesn't count as a boundary, but you don't hit the boundary, so it kind of makes sense. It's interesting. How would that show up on the wagon wheel? Yeah, it'd be the same color as the. Four, yeah, yeah, good point. But it wouldn't go over. The, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's an interesting. It one. is interesting. And, and then they brought up and they said, "Well, what if you're running? You've run a second run, and then they throw 
four. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's six. It's a six. Yeah, yeah. I, I was listening to that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was Alison Mitchell and and whoever it was. Uh, Phil Jakes. Phil Jakes sounds like Brad Hogg. I don't mind him. Every time I hear him, I I actually thought it was Brad Hogg yeah. until they yeah. Anyway, I oh, like they've got a good good little squad going there. Tom Moody and and a few of the other blokes. Well, and Jim Maxwell in his fiftieth yep. year as the yep. voice of cricket. Absolutely. Yeah, good fun, good yeah. fun. I do love listening to ABC Grandstand. Yeah. yeah. You saw that funny picture in ACT Cricket where the middle stump was dislodged, but the... He sent it to you. Uh, I think you'll find I saw that before you. Well... Because I start very late and I see things on Twitter. Well, I sent it to the group. You sent it to a group chat. I'd already seen it. Yeah, yeah. This is the, yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is the equivalent of the, the Tyson Chandler. <laughs> it might have been brought up four years ago, but... I just well, what I found interesting was I, I swear I've seen ones like that before, and everyone's like, "Whoa, this never happens!" And never, I swear I saw one only maybe five years ago or something. Should the bales actually be able to stay up like well, that? Well, apparently though? the player himself readjusted them when they were kind of fucked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. that's what I heard. So he saved himself. Yeah, yeah. So that's on the umpires. Oh. They got to have him in properly. Yeah, that's just. Should he have been out? Do you reckon? It's kind of interesting because it, it is because letter of the law letter of the law but also it's different from a run out or a stumping because the player's position in the crease is completely irrelevant so yes yeah yeah yep. you're not sort of going oh when did the bales come off it's more just did they or didn't they? yeah yep. it's one of those ones where you, you almost think common sense should prevail in that and i mean it's hit middle stump that hard that it's knocked it on a 45 degree angle oh it was almost bloody 90 degrees wasn't it so yeah it's it's yeah. i i agree with you i think i think when a little kind of dibbly dobbler hits the base of the stumps and is touching the stumps, but the bales don't fall off, it's that's like, well, well bad maybe, luck. But yeah, if yeah, no, nah, that's just bad luck. You, you weren't bowling it fast enough or quick, or you know, it's not hard enough to dislodge the bales. That one was clearly hard enough because, like you said, it knocked the fucking middle stump it just about to the ground. Clearly wasn't a dibbly dobbler. Yeah, it was no sure. so dibbly dobbler there. No, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a tough one. Letter of the law, yes, but common sense, yeah. he should have been out. Yeah, probably. Honest. I think you're probably right there. Cheating bastards. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Well, look, really excited to be missing the Wildcats Tasmania game tomorrow night as a result of us recording. Uh, one man's loss is another man's game. Yeah, thank you for those tickets. Yeah, I look yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Sunday out again. Yeah, we'll be off to the cricket on Saturday too, so a big weekend of sport watching for me. For you, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. life, yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> big weekend of looking after the kids for me. Ah, uh, well, yeah. look, it's what it is. What it is, exactly. No, look, very exciting. Lots of good stuff coming up in all forms of sport, really, I think Kev said. I'm excited. Congratulations to the Lions of the AFLW. You forgot about that one. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are Sportworks. <laughs>